I got back, took a shower, like got kind of got ready for work. And I was like, I'm freaking exhausted. I'm like, I can't, I'm never going to get through this day. I need to like go lay down for a little while. I'm like, just so freaking tired. Yeah. And I'm laying in bed and it's fine. Like I can take a freaking two hour nap. It wouldn't have been a problem. because it was uh-huh. still like early. And my internal dialogue was like, what the hell are you doing? You're taking a nap. Huh. You got to be working right now. Why are you doing this? And then like, then the adrenaline starts coming up and I couldn't sleep. I couldn't even sleep. I was like, I just got up and just, that is like the dropping the rope moment where I could have been like, stop, drop the rope, yeah. go to sleep, relax. Everything's fine. Your Allow body's telling you, to rest. Allow yeah. yourself. There's no ele- Imagine that. Give yourself permission to like take a break. <sighs> Again, it's just like you're that internal drill sergeant. To not keep pushing, pushing, pushing and achieve, achieve, achieve. And all the external metrics of success that our culture would have us buy into. It's like, sometimes I just need a fucking nap. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes I just need to rest. Yeah. You have my own sleep. You need a day off. Yeah. <laughs> I just need a break. Yeah, we all do. And not only that, it's so important for you to do. Right. So it's like we're going against ourselves by not doing it. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. I thought, right. It's like we're not on our own side. We're against ourselves. Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. On episode 27, dropping the rope. So we're going to drop the rope today. Let it go. Dropping the rope can apply in so many different areas of life. And as I reread our posts... Yeah. I realized that dropping the rope is just, you know, play on words for dropping the storyline. Letting that shit go. Let it go. But you get an emotional disturbance, which normally happens. Like if you're jealous, if you're in a combative situation. Envious. Uh-huh. Envious. Mm-hmm. If you're defensive. Insecure, which is underlying well, all, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all the things of the outside world hitting you in ways that you don't want to be hit. (sighs) Right. right? Yeah. And in any moment you can drop the rope. And like, I've heard one other author call it just walking off the battleground. Yes. Yeah. Like you're in this battle. You could literally just drop your weapon and just walk and leave and go home. Yeah. Go home. (laughs) And I also thought about, imagine somebody like if you, mess with a part of somebody's brain. Yeah. Like say you do some sort of like lobotomy, like you could literally touch a person in a certain part of their brain. Okay. And they won't be able to hold any of those kinds of thoughts. Any of those negative emotions. Yeah. I mean, not that you'd ever so want to do surgery that. Now? A, little, <laughs> a little shock therapy, you know, <laughs> but that's the whole idea of shock therapy, right? It's like, you're trying to remove these like 
repetitive patterns. memories, patterns. Storylines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah kind of like neurons that fire together, wire together. Uh-huh. So it's that kind of rewiring of the brain. That neural circuitry, which even I could get into some complicated conversation. <laughs> 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 Two psych majors. Yeah. But like how habits are formed, like there's these yes. grooves that they create in your brain circuitry. And yes. those are related to our habitual patterns. And unless and until we start becoming more aware and conscious of them, they're just running in the background. I always think of a vinyl record, like a yeah. vinyl record. I forgot who this came from, but the guy was talking about how that's basically how your patterns work, right? right? You're on this vinyl record. And to get out of those patterns, you have to scratch that record, mm-hmm. continue to scratch it. And for the younger until... listeners, that's how we used to listen to music. <laughs> Long, yeah. long, once upon a time. To you whippersnappers, <laughs> that's not music. <laughs> yeah, before there were iPods and streaming and all the technology. Yeah. Yeah. We used to think CDs were like the top of the line. Totally. Like, In high school. Yeah. You know, the best technology ever, CDs. We have to get rid of all our vinyls now. Yeah. So just scratching like that record is like the idea of like catching yourself in these patterns. Disrupting habitual patterns from continuing to play out. Yeah. I love the phrase dropping the rope because it is so visual to me. Like it gives me a very clear visual of like literally being in a tug of war with someone or something, even if it's a habit Mm -hmm. or a story. And then just literally dropping the rope and letting go. And I was telling you, like, there's like a part of me that gets this twisted pleasure <laughs> being the one to let go of the rope and letting the other person fall to the ground. But it's a very visual representation that you can apply to so many different, whether it's relationships or aspects of our lives. Yeah, I think of arguments or, or just, you know, personal conflicts, relationship yep. conflicts where... It's infuriating to the other person if you drop the rope. Oh, totally. You know? Yeah. You're just like, nope, I'm not going to fight with you. They're like, what? <laughs> I need you to engage. <laughs> right. You know, you're part of this engagement here. If exactly. you remove yourself, then it's work over. If you let it go. <laughs> uh huh. Pick the rope back up, will you? Please. <laughs> Play with me. I yeah. <laughs> I know. And you start to realize how that happens at work environments. Yeah. Any interpersonal relationship, friendship, romantic partnerships. And we touched upon a little bit last week about the idea of being right too. Like if you're in an argument, Uh, just wanting to be right. And like, you'll dig your heels in and spend hours, you know, just trying to prove your point and make the other person submit. I'm right. I want you to say it and write it down. Admit it. Show it and tell everybody about it. I've never done that. I lived my life like that for a long time. It's another drop the rope moment. (laughs) But again, these these are all these storylines that we tell ourselves. So... Actually, we started the post with growing up in New York and how New York has kind of a violent, yeah, like this f- violent under like undertone of like just yes, it does colored with violence. The way the place was, you had Harsh. you had this feeling aggressive. So many people, everybody's trying to prove themselves. It's a very hyper masculine city. Yes, very macho, very hyper toxic masculine energy. It is, and yeah. so. It's amazing that you and I have done so well that we both grew up in that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty pretty high functioning as adults. Yeah. So I just remember from a little kid on, it was this looking over your shoulder, act tough, looking for all the tough kids. Like Mm -hmm. it was a combination of fear, trying to prove yourself, just insecurity. Yep. You don't want to be embarrassed. Like a lot of young men grow up with that feeling of like, 
if you get your ass kicked, that's going to be embarrassing in front of all your peers. And then you're going to look like a little wimp. And then a loser. Yeah. yeah. Uh And I had one friend that I met when I was 12, 13 years old that just flipped that. And it was unheard of in Long Island. I mean, yeah, I didn't know anybody like that. He was kind of like the hippie, the hippie at 12 years old, you know? Like the peaceful warrior. Yeah, like the yeah. musician, hippie, got along with everybody, no conflicts. Like he just wouldn't fight huh. and wasn't confrontational. Everyone else had like a chip on their shoulder or yeah. give you a dirty look. Like he just had this peaceful energy. Mm-hmm. And it attracted everybody. Everybody liked him. Yep. I'm not sure if he was like class president or I'm sure he was. He was just like the most popular kid. Yeah. And never fought. Never got into one fight. I hardly knew anyone in Long Island that didn't get into a fight at least a handful of times. Right. And so then that was like the kind of... Not that I knew of dropping the rope at that moment, but I realized that he dropped that rope. Like that's that's not his rope to hold. Like that's not... (laughs) He's not grabbing that. Right. The rest of us, all us kids like grabbing or tugging on it. He's like, nope, I'm out of this. I'm done. Yeah. Off the battlefield. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See you later. You guys all do that if you want to, but... I'll be over here. Have fun with that. Yeah. yeah. And that's happened like, it's been a repetitive theme. Panic attacks, perfect example of dropping the rope. Yeah. And I think that's where I got it from. I got it from the research I was doing on panic attacks. And I found, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, ACT Therapy mm-hmm. by a guy named Stephen Hayes, who created ACT Therapy. Mm-hmm. And he talks about dropping the rope. And the idea is when you're having a panic attack, your body is locking down to preserve itself, meaning yeah. your muscles tense up, your breathing shallows, vision narrows. You're in survival mode. You're in fight or flight. You're in flight. complete fight or flight. Adrenaline's coursing through your veins. And this is no easy thing to do. But the idea is that if you could drop the rope in that moment, like if you could just sort of like, you know what? This is what I'm feeling right now. And take a step back. Take a deep yeah. breath. Try to like expand your field of vision. Mm-hmm. And he called it that. He called it dropping the rope. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's the same thing with back pain. I know we've gone through these on our previous posts, but back pain was the same thing. It was like, mm-hmm. I'm hypersensitive. I don't want to move in any certain way. I'm just protecting, protecting, protecting. As soon as I was just like, screw this. Yeah. I'm just going to go do heavy exercise. Drop the resistance. Drop the resistance. And release the tension. Yeah. Get out of your box, right? Just Get out of your own head. Yes. <laughs> But again, it's it's always goes back to the storylines. You're just dropping the storylines. Right. You know, and there's so many of those. Yeah, the stories that we tell ourselves that we never think to question. Whose story is this? And how is this story like serving me? Is it serving me? Yeah. What's the honest answer to that question sometimes? Hmm. But it's funny. It's like we do the same repetitive patterns every day. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, pretty much what you're going to do tomorrow is what you did today as what you did yesterday <laughs> with little variations. We're all creatures of habit. Yeah. Like I thought I heard a Deepak Chopra said something like the amazing part of life is that you have like 40 to 50,000 thoughts every day. Uh-huh. He's like the unamazing part is that they're all the same thoughts. Uh-huh. So it's like you're living like this groundhogs and we're living in it <sighs> oh from <my> a, go- <laughs> a government <laughs> lockdown standpoint. But I think we do it regardless. We keep ourselves stuck. Yeah. yeah. Everything's about anxiety management. I heard somebody else say that. Like 95% of your life is revolved around anxiety management. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're just basically always trying to make yourself feel good mm. and avoid pain. Pain avoidance is key. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. get hurt. But... Yeah. 
looking right. over your shoulder. Right, exactly. It's hot, too hot. It's too cold. <laughs> it's too sunny. It's too rainy. It's, you know, <laughs> it's 67 degrees. That's too cold, but 69 is a little too warm. We got to get like right that perfect, you know? I'm like, let's go with it. So you think about like these guys, like the David Goggins guys, right? Yeah. yeah. He's the guy that got me onto the concept of pain is the only way through this. Like, yo, you can't like make everything perfectly comfortable. He's the king of making himself uncomfortable. Well, I mean, he takes it to a, obviously the level of extreme that hell no, that's not for, I'm not. No, and I'm not either. I mean, ultra marathons where you're up 48 hours straight running and your feet are banged up and like, but he says out yeah. on the other side of that pain is this piece because you realize that you can handle that pain. Wow. So it makes the rest of your life like a walk in the park. So I think of it. It puts things in perspective. It does. Or, or just think of somebody that's so coddled and so soft, like they're physically soft, they're mentally soft. They're, Fragile. And then you put them out in the real mm-hmm. world and you're like, all right, now go fend for yourself. There's a generation of children that are raised that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. And it's against your or slamming the millennials. The Who's after the millennials? Y generation? Or Z, Z. Maybe you're right. I, I can't. I can't keep track. I can't keep up with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The whole concept of like everyone gets a participation chart. It's like, well, that's not quite how the world works, people. At some point, you're going to realize that. Yeah, and they were shielded. And Glennon Doyle has talked about this even in some of her Instagrams recently on her live feeds. Where she talks about it's the goal as a parent is not to shield your child from ever experiencing or witnessing pain. Your goal is to show them how to navigate mm-hmm. challenging life experiences. Yeah. Pain is coming for all of us. And I think like when we talk about this idea of dropping the rope, it's not dropping the pain. The pain is inevitable. It's dropping like the neurosis. It's dropping the right. rumination. The attachment to the suffering of it. Yes. And continuing to battle. Like I was sharing with you about my ex-husband. You know, I got to a point with divorcing him where I just... I settled for some terms that I, I did not like. Mm-hmm. I was not happy about the terms. Yeah. But I just was so tired of fighting. I was so tired of being locked in this tug of war with him and his attorney that I just had, I got to a point where I needed to let it go. Yeah. And that was a choice too. I could have chosen to fight him and I could have chosen to continue battling with him. But my own internal well being was worth more to me than holding on to that rope and that battle. The cost was too high. It was. To continue that fight. I wasn't willing to continue to pay it. And I paid it for 14 months mm-hmm. until I was just, I was done. And I let it go. Yeah. That's an external battle. On the inside of you, there's a lot of these like internal battles that you could drop the rope. I'm not calling you out. I'm saying you as us. <laughs> you as <laughs> audience. Accurate, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So like this, have you seen the inside of my mind? It's really a dark place. <laughs> like it's not, I, I don't recommend. I mean, I, I caught one of my dropping the rope moments yesterday. I went to exercise class. The YMCA is doing this free class. Long story short, they go to this like parking deck. It's outside. It's all social distance. By the time this airs, we'll be out. Yeah, outside. right. Nobody will even remember that. Like, what was that? <laughs> Corona what? <laughs> yeah, they'll be moving on to something else. Yeah. So the waking up at 5.30 in the morning, Yeah. well, the class starts at 5.30. It's a hard class. I didn't sleep well the night before. Okay. I got back, took a shower, like got kind of got ready for work. And I was like, I'm freaking exhausted. I'm like, I can't, I'm never going to get through this day. I need to like go lay down for a little while. I'm like, just so freaking tired. Yeah. And I'm laying in bed 
and it's fine. Like I can take a freaking two hour nap. It wouldn't have been a problem because it was uh-huh. still like early. And my internal dialogue was like, what the hell are you doing? You're taking a nap. Huh. You got to be working right now. Why are you doing this? And then like, then the adrenaline starts coming up and I couldn't sleep. I couldn't even sleep. I was like, I just got up and just, that is like the dropping the rope moment where I could have been like, stop, drop the rope. Yeah. Go to sleep, relax. Everything's fine. Your allow body's telling you. To rest. Allow yeah. yourself. There's no allow. Imagine that. Give yourself permission to like take a break. <sighs> Again, it's just like you're that internal drill sergeant. To not keep pushing, pushing, pushing and achieve, achieve, achieve. And all the external metrics of success that our culture would have us buy into. It's like sometimes I just need a fucking nap. Yeah. Like, Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just need to rest. Yeah. You have my own sleep. You need a day off. Yeah. <laughs> I just need a break. Yeah, we all do. And not only that, it's so important for you to do. Right. So it's like we're going against ourselves by not doing it. It's like that doesn't make any sense. I thought, right. It's like we're not on our own side. We're against ourselves. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a deep rooted one. Yes, it is. And it comes up repetitively. In so at least in many my life. different ways. Uh-huh. I mean, I find like if I'm on email and I'm responding to an email and then like somebody pings me and I'm like, now I'm texting with someone right. and like next thing I know, two hours went by right. and I didn't make the two phone calls I needed to make. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, you know, then you start beating yourself up. What are you doing? You're so distracted. Get the hell off the phone. Stay off social media. You got work to do. If you don't do your work, it just goes spiral. down that spiral. Yeah. I was out day drinking on Friday with a friend. Fuck. Oh, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> um, day drinking. I forgot what that was. Drinking wine at like three in the afternoon. I just can't hang like that. Like I <laughs> by 7 p.m., like I'm tra- you know, I'll be in a mess. <laughs> and you let yourself do it in those situations with no internal tension. Yeah. But then there's other situations where this is internal tension of like. Now you got to get to work. Now you got to really get... No. Yeah. Now it's for real. I'm a lot more gentle with myself now than I ever have been before. Definitely while I was married, the internal narrative was very, very strong. Like, what the hell are yeah. you doing? And he was all, he was very... Reinforcing it. Yeah, yeah. Like, what do you mean you're taking personal time on like a Wednesday? It's like, God forbid. But it's the... It comes back to, as with so much that we talk about, the awareness component of it. It is the awareness. Yeah. It's it's knowing when you're in it. I think the whole thing, what I'm starting to realize about like having a good life and feeling good about yourself and having a good internal experience, mm-hmm. I think you cannot have a good internal experience if you're not conscious of what you're doing. If you're in a complete state of disarray where you're blindly going through the day and you don't know what's going on with your thoughts. When that's happening, at least in my experience, Mm -hmm. that's not a good internal experience. And yet that's how so many people live their lives. Yeah. It's hard not to, I mean, it's hard not to get swept up in that current. Yeah. Because you just, you know, life happens. Somebody cuts you off. Somebody gives you a dirty look. (laughs) You know, you have an argument with a coworker or a spouse or some sort of business transaction goes wrong. Or not even any of that. If you're just kind of lost in your thought mm-hmm. and you're not really realizing those patterns, those records that are playing in the backgrounds, they get louder. It's not comfortable to recognize them or to search for them or to reprogram them. And that's no. why most people don't do it because it's not comfortable. Self-reflection and self-awareness 
are not fun. That's why no. most people avoid them. Most people spend their entire lives avoiding them. Yeah. And yet, those of us who are willing to continue showing up and doing the work. Well, I think it goes against our cultural norms of thinking that I want instant gratification. Like, I want to address that pattern once and I want it to be gone. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it's not the way it works. Sorry. You know, if I, in that moment, told myself, you know what? You're going to relax. You're going to put on soft music. Take a nap. Uh-huh. You know, if I kind of reworked myself down and kind of called out the drill sergeant. De-escalated. It doesn't mean it's not uh-huh. going to happen two days later. Like, it doesn't mean that that's over. Those things reoccur. And I heard somebody talk about that I've been reading. His name is James Hollis. Yeah, you mentioned that Such him a great writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wrote a book called Through the Dark Wood. He said he doesn't like the word progression because progression just means like you're linearly going forward. Like you're driving on a road. So good. He talks about how like your life isn't like a linear. Yeah. Yeah, he thinks life is more circular and he's like, at best, it's spiral. It so is. like you're always coming back to the same thing. Oh, this again? <sighs> yeah. So it's not like you get over. And it was that whole idea we talked about grief. It's not, grief's not something you get over. No. It gets maybe easier to handle over time, but it doesn't go away. Like you don't cure grief. No, you don't remove it. And yeah, I was finding myself getting emotional over the weekend because a friend just recently passed away. Not completely unexpectedly, but it was still like, it's a loss and it hurts. Yeah. And I was explaining what had happened to some of my family who had met this friend. And I'm like feeling myself feel the emotions. And I'm like, shit. Yeah. <sighs> There's nothing I can do but feel it. Yeah. And that's horrifying to my inner recovering perfectionist who would like to get to a point where I'm done. Like, let me wash my hands of this and move along. Yeah. I'm like, hold on a second. Forgiveness is very much the same way. Mm-hmm. Being at the mastermind retreat in New Orleans earlier this year, and it was toward the end of the day, and this word forgiveness is on the page, and I'm physically having a reaction to it. And I'm like, oh, I thought I forgave this person. Like, I thought I was okay with this. Yeah, it turns out I wasn't, and I still had more mm. internal work to do. I thought it was done. I'm tired of this, but here it is again. It's a little bit like watching the grass grow. It's like, you don't see it happening, but it it is happening, right? If you're working on yourself, it's not like, (laughs) I mean, you can think of it in so many different contexts, like learning an instrument takes a long time. That's not demoralizing at all. I know. I know. Or like (laughs) when I used to like be more into fitness and like losing body fat, that kind of thing, like losing body fat for people, Uh it's a freaking slow process. Yeah. You're not going to see it in a week. You're not going to see yeah. it in two weeks. Like it's going to take a couple months at least to see some results. People can't wait that long. Like they want uh, 10 days to a six pack abs or, you know, 30 days to, you know, $10,000 a month in income. And you start to believe these things. And that goes right into working on yourself. So why would you work on yourself if you have to wait all this time? Like if you're not seeing instant gratification or the results are so delayed, but they're incremental and they're so. Mm-hmm minute, but they build on each other. Over time, you can see a difference. They're cumulative. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we're on that now, as opposed to when I was married five years ago. I mean, exponentially different. Like I'm not that person. Right. I've killed off multiple versions of myself in those five years. Yeah. We're done with you. And you'll continue to do that. Apparently. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) James Haas talks about also... I love this book. I'm like really into it right now. He talks about the idea of just life is like this thing that 
It's a circular movement. It's not getting it's somewhere. Spiral. The process of what you're doing is really your home. Home isn't a place. Hmm. He says the journey is your home. So there's no such hmm. thing as this like destination. It's just the journey is your home. And if you could live in those terms, because what you're always doing is you're trying to find this end settling place, your home. Yeah. And what people don't realize is like, there is no home. Your home is the journey. Hmm. And you're running towards something to find this end place. There's no end place. And you're like, well, wait a second, maybe it's over here. And then you start running that way. And oh, you start maybe running it's like, in this relationship. Right. Or and job. he talks about that or, as far as relationships, oh. finding the perfect other to, oh, fuck to complete you. <laughs> you and I have talked about that before. You Jerry know my Maguire. opinion. Oh, mm. Just such you complete me. <laughs> well, and that's what our culture is feeding us <laughs> and mm-hmm. indoctrinating us into. And it's like, what bullshit? Like, yeah. you complete me. I'm not incomplete as an individual. I'm not incomplete as an individual because I'm not a parent. Like I am now the only member of my immediate family to not be a parent. Mm. And I'm like, I'm good with that. Guess what? Everybody needs to have kids. Ants is my favorite. I think way too many people have kids. More people have kids than (laughs) should have children. Definitely. The former social worker who worked with child protective services will attest to that. Yeah. There should be like a 12 week like boot camp, like a marine type boot camp before you're allowed to have a child. That's what I think. You have to go through like all all of this education plus a military style like sleep deprivation. You want you really want to do it now? Really? Okay. Really? <laughs> all right. Well, and I've said before that if our culture made it as challenging to get married as especially the state of North Carolina makes it to get divorced, the divorce rate would plummet. Like Oh my god. It's so freaking you go get a married, you pay a fee, you go get a marriage license and you get married. Divorce is like 15 months and 15 days was my divorce process. I'm like, yeah. are you freaking kidding me? And you had a... That was a long one. Yeah. Yeah. But again, the, the, the kid thing is even... I mean, to me, the kid... Th- they let anybody have a kid? No. Uh-uh. Sorry. You're not fit to be right. a parent. Sorry. <laughs> not you. Yeah. People are like... Some people are just not fit to be parents. And it's okay. It's okay not to have kids. It's okay not to be the person that's supposed to have kids. It's okay to drop that rope. It's the rope. There it is. There's the other storyline. You have to do this. You have to get married. You have to have kids. Check box. But I don't really want to do it, but I have to because society tells me I have to. No, you don't. No. You can write a new story that yeah. doesn't involve being a parent. Hopefully. Yeah, but people don't catch it in time. It's just. I love being an aunt. Because my siblings all look at me. I'm the oldest of four kids. I'm like, I've changed my damn share of diapers growing up. Yeah. There were 10 years between myself and my youngest sister. Okay. I was a little mom's helper. I'm good. Yeah. My siblings will like hold my niece or nephew out. They're like, you want to change the diaper? I'm like, no. <laughs> and they're all shocked. I'm like, <laughs> you made the child. How about it? Like, yeah, not my problem. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they're all trying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm the beauty of being able to say no yes well and one of the points that we didn't really explicitly talk about in this episode yet was the toxic masculinity mm. the whole concept of letting go is kind of counterintuitive to the way our culture indoctrinates children mm. girls and boys into being tough yeah to have grit not vulnerable mm-hmm. letting go of those expectations is almost an act of 
we talked a little bit about just from the New York thing, how that's kind of, you're indoctrinated into this society of just thugs. (laughs) Pretty much. You got kids from like the Jewish faith, the Catholic faith, Irish, Italian, all over, you know, just every walk Mm -hmm. of life. And it's like this melting pot and that melting pot, there's a lot of conflicting things going on in there. Totally. And it's a a lot lot of of different stories, a lot of testosterone, a lot of people trying to prove themselves to themselves and to their peers. Mm -hmm. And it winds up being just a scary combination. Mm -hmm. And a little kid's mind doesn't really know what to do with that. They're just in, again, their fight or flight mode. You know, they'll be thrown into a circumstance where they don't know how to manage their environments. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the toxic masculinity is that they have the macho kind of, this vibrato of like, look how big I am. Look, I'm puffing up my tail feathers, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and it's all like this false sense of, you know, just trying to project, right. Everything's about this projection. I'm projecting to the world. This this image. image. Yeah. Yeah. My social mask. Mm. There's a book by Lewis Howes, the mask of masculinity. We have talked about it. Yeah. And I have listened to it. If you drop the rope five times last week on things that are recurring patterns in your life, mm-hmm. you can make progress on this. We so often are always like looking ahead and seeing what we don't, what we haven't achieved, or yeah. just like that pinnacle goal that we're just not there yet. You never look behind though. You never look all that shoveling you've been doing. You don't see that big pile of dirt behind you. You just see the hole that's not big enough. So it's like that idea of just looking back, like, oh, I've come a long way. Look how far look at how much I have accomplished. And, you know, that, oh my, what a radical concept of, I don't know, giving ourselves credit. Yeah. I think that quiets the drill sergeant. When you start yeah. looking back, like, you know what? I have made some progress. Give Look at how much I have accomplished. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But people want it fast. They want it faster. They want it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. That's why people are, I mean, I'm having a hard time with freaking quarantine. Mm-hmm. Like, and I like being by myself. Yeah, because like if you're an introvert and like you go out every once in a while to get your fix of having social interaction, social, and then that's yeah. taken away from you, yeah, you need that little bit. There's a very defiant part of me too that comes in, and I'm like, screw you! You don't get to tell me what to do and what not to do. Well, I, you know, I hung out with a friend Sunday nights, just like open fields, not really social distancing, drinking some beer. Yep. Just talking with him made me feel so much better. I was like, yeah, we didn't have any kind of like profound conversation. It wasn't about like, you know, it wasn't like we solved the world's problems or just to interact. I was like, geez, I'm looking in somebody's eyes and actually talking and it just feels different. I mean, there's only so much you can do with video. Like technology has its benefits. Yeah. I'm a co-host on a different podcast just right now. Uh, you know, on so many of our recordings on that podcast, like we're talking with people that are around the world. Yeah. It's not just certain parts of the country. So there is a, a great benefit to the technology, but there's still, it doesn't replace the experience of being physically in person with some people. Mm-hmm. It has its limitations. It's a little bit different. Yeah. It is. I think I mentioned last time too, like when my therapist was asking me if what I thought about like Zoom therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, being on Zoom, I'm like, I like it. You know, I think it's pretty good. You know, it's definitely not a hundred percent. It's not all the way there as being face to face with someone, but it's pretty close. It's close. But then I've had other people say, "No, I can't speak openly because I'm in my house. What if my kids outside my door and like uh, we can't really well, 
So there's like some limitation in that sense, unless you're like locked in a closet where, you know, no one's listening and you could freely, you know what I mean? Like, or you just happily divorced and live by yeah. like, <laughs> That's true. Right. You have cats. Come on over. Right. Yeah. <laughs> cats don't talk back. Well, most of them don't talk back. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, so I, I think dropping the rope. The post wraps up. I love how we wrote about when you have a mindset of having a mentality of an eye for an eye, it leaves everyone blind. Yeah. You can be out for revenge, but you're really hurting yourself too. Yeah. It's just a lot more peaceful to live with just letting crap go. Like just drop the, drop the rope, drop the rope. Like don't swallow your own poison. You know, it's like you're taking the poison, expecting somebody else to die. Makes no sense. Drop the rope people. (laughs) Your own medicine as I can personally attest is some of the most bitter tasting ever. Very true. (laughs) Maybe I should check me out on a bike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are we talking about next week? All right. So next week, so busy. Oh, God. I had to say it that way. I'm so busy. <laughs> How are you doing, man? Oh, man. So busy. I'm so, so busy. I hear that. And I'm sure you all hear that out there with your friends. All the time. I mean, it is the biggest badge of honor in our society to be busy. Yep. If you're not busy, like, then you're a nobody. Like, you're not getting anything done. Yep. You have no accomplishments. What do you, what's your value? Come on, man. You're not even busy. You're worthless as a human. <laughs> mm. You're worthless. Mm. Remember like the human beings, not human doings? Mm. So yeah, so everybody's busy and that's almost like, um, it's a, you know, it's a greeting now. That's the greeting. It's a go-to default response. Instead of I'm fine, it's I'm so busy. No. Not that I'm fine is any better, but... I don't like the word fine. You, yeah, it's just not that word. But, yeah. Mm. How are you doing? I'm fine. Fine. It's either I'm fine or oh man, so, so busy. busy. Oh man, you don't understand. How important so busy. I am. Look how packed my schedule is. Like seriously. And I always think you're not the president of the United States. You're not the first lady. You're not Elon Musk running three multi-billion-dollar mega corporations. Mm-hmm. But you're busy. So you got this world on your shoulders. You're carrying. It's like that whole idea again. Dropping the rope. Mm. <laughs> you're carrying this monkey on your back of like, Oh, my life is overwhelmingly busy. And I'm like, just, you know, the so busy thing has nothing to do with your actual schedule. Right. It has to do with how frantic your minds is working. Mm-hmm. Like how frenzied your thoughts are mm-hmm. when your thoughts are frenzied, you feel busy. Yeah. Your mind's busy. Yeah. There's a lot of busyness going on in there, mm. but I think they try to, categorize it as um no i'm literally my schedule is so busy mm. i don't think it is it gets old hearing people say that though like and it gets to the point it's like the boy who cried wolf like seriously yeah you're not that important i mean yeah when you hear somebody for five ten years straight like i hear the same people yeah. Oh, yeah. i mean some friends of mine you know yeah. oh man so busy so busy okay I'm like dude you gotta have you gotta have a different you know come on you gotta like get you make some, here. Come on. Yeah, let's get some, make some room in your schedule somehow, you know? Like if you're saying you're busy for 10 years straight, there's a problem, you know? <laughs> so that's what we're gonna get into next week. Episode 28, so busy. Mm-hmm. And we all relate to it. So and we all have friends that do it. Maybe we do it sometimes too. Mm-hmm. So come check us out, faconfessions.com. And please like and subscribe and do all those fun things and share and write a review. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for the reviews out there. And we've been picked up once again by Optimal Finance Daily. So they've done now four of our blog posts. Mm-hmm. 
like four individual recordings that they've put live on their yeah, which on is their so, podcast. so fun. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah it's so, just have somebody cool. reading our stuff. Yeah, so that's been great. All right, so we'll see you next week with so busy. <laughs> All right, bye everyone. Bye. See you next week. <laughs>